Namaste, it's Sahara Rose, and welcome back to the Highest Self Podcast, a place where we discuss what makes you your soul's highest involvement. Today on the Highest Self Podcast, I have a serious, badass chick. She is one that is disrupting the industry. And I'm talking about those industries that people don't like to talk about. The period, poop, pee, and pizza spaces. Yes, these are products that she has brought to market in her own company. And she is just such an incredible personality powerhouse and leader. So she just came out with this new book, Mickey Agrawal, and her book is called Disrupt Her. So like disruptor, but disrupt her. And in the book, she really talks about you know, what it's like to be a woman today and how on one direction you're told, oh, why don't you have a career? You're a stay-at-home mom. And then the other direction you're told, oh, you're such a heartless bitch. All you do is work. And it's like, how do we win? And this is an amazing, deep conversation. She really goes there and just talks about the things that we've had on our minds, but maybe we just haven't put into words or felt comfortable saying, and she's really disrupting the place. We also talk about her new company, Hello Tushy, which are bidets, which are essentially little faucets that you can attach to your toilet so you can clean your butt. It's something that I've used growing up. It's a big part of Middle Eastern, Indian, all sorts of Asian cultures. And for some reason, it just hasn't been popular in the US, even though I think it's very important to wash your butt with water. And we talked about that in this episode too. So this is just the kind of person that Mickey is. She talks about the taboos and she even shares that the word taboo actually derived from the word for our menstruation. So why are our menstrual cycles taboo? Why is it taboo to speak about these things? Why can't it be our norm? So this episode's got lots of pitta in it. It's going to fire you up and prepare you to disrupt the norm and create a new paradigm. So without further ado, let's welcome Mickey Agrawal to the Highest Self Podcast. And before we get started, check out these brands that make Highest Self Podcast possible. We all want to be more mindful and well-read, but it's hard to read all of the books that are out there and still have time to, you know, practice self-care and take a shower. Well, there's an app that I have just for you, and that is called Blinkist, the only app that takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can either read or listen to. I love Blinkist because in less than 15 minutes, I feel like I can fast track my way to a more intelligent and informed version of me. They have so many incredible books like The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, Starts With Why by Simon Sinek, Becoming Michelle Obama, Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and so much more. Right now for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Sahara to start your free seven day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Sahara to start your free seven-day trial. As you guys know, I'm all about hormonal health. And in fact, a hormonal imbalance is what caused me to discover Ayurveda many years ago. However, checking your hormones can be quite expensive. And that's why I'm super excited to have found Modern Fertility. I took a quiz online, which asked me some questions about my hormones. And within three days, they sent me over the test right to my home. 
The test gives you information regarding to your hormonal health, which is essentially a window to your overall health. You're even given access to a fertility nurse who can answer any of your questions. I'm really excited to find out my results and we'll keep you guys posted in a coming episode. So you can take the fertility quiz and get $20 off your first kit at modernfertility.com slash Sahara. Again, you can get $20 off your first kit at modernfertility.com slash Sahara. Welcome, Mickey, to the Highest Self Podcast. It's so good to have you here. So happy to be here with you. So the first question that I would love to ask you is, what makes you your highest self? I think what makes me my highest self is really is considering integrity. I think I spent the last six years working with my life and leadership coach about true integrity. It's not just being a good person, but it's really what you're thinking, feeling, and saying have to align. And oftentimes we don't, we don't align. And oftentimes we are thinking something and saying something completely different. Like, you know, you're thinking, you know, you're saying, oh, hey girl. And you're thinking like, bitch, you know, whatever, you know, it's like, I think being your highest self is being in in true integrity. And I think I really work really hard to practice thinking, feeling, and saying the exact same thing. Mm, Well, you totally did an amazing job in your book. It's, I was telling you, it's literally, I feel like I was having a conversation with you, even though I've never had a conversation with you before, (laughs) but I was like, this is so how, how you would talk. And it's so like a girlfriend, just like talking to you and like straight up telling you like, yeah, I've gone through some shit, but I've also learned a lot. And here are the facts. So I'm obsessed with the book. So let's talk about it. Disrupt her. What does it mean to be a disruptor? I think a disruptor, the way I think of what a disruptor is, is a person who is courageous enough to live fully lit up on her own terms and is committed to moving the world forward despite societal obstacles in her way. So like basically someone who just does it, it's like, I want to shift this. I want to change something. I want to live lit up and just keep and move forward in that direction, no matter what anyone says. Mm, Love that. And it's something that so many of us are and we probably don't even give ourselves credit for like we are I think as women we're so afraid of kind of like owning like yeah I'm a badass I'm disrupting things but we're almost like oh I need to do it in like a coy feminine shy way to like not rock the boat too much yeah it's really interesting it's really interesting how we we really deem society in quotes as this sort of you know decision maker. And it's like, who is society? Society is people. They're no different than you and me, you know? I mean, it's, it's like, it's literally people that decided, oh, we shouldn't talk about that. That's uncouth. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Women should be the one who covers their breasts while men should just let their nipples fly. You know, it's just like, who says like, what, how is this still a thing where we have to kowtow and listen to these societal preconceptions that are completely not serving our authentic selves today? And you think about, all the categories in the world and, and just sort of, you know, for my personal background, you know, I've, I've been focusing in the categories of periods and pee and poop and, and even pizza, which is, you know, people are very specific about their pizza. And in these categories, I've been just told by society, by people, no one's going to buy your product. No one's going to invest in your business. No one's going to bleed in their underwear. No one's going to poop. You know, no one's going to, you know, wash their butts with a bidet and spray poop everywhere. Gross. Obviously that doesn't, that does not happen when you use a bidet, but that's a lot of misconceptions and, and people just talk so much shit. And it turns out that, you know, society was wrong. I mean, these businesses are now like valued at well over $150 million. And the fact that, it clearly turns out that society is wrong about a lot of things, not just periods, pee and poop. 
it's, you know, so I, I started to do a real deep dive in all other areas in our lives where I felt like society had a real chokehold on our lives. You know, the concept of career, of the, the you know, the, the accumulation of more stuff and how that equals a better life and how we have to get serious as we grow up and the culture of complaining, feminism, patriarchy, all these things, you know, activism, all these things are, are, have been so pigeonholed, I feel like, from this societal context that it just needed complete disruption. You know, we can think about money differently. We can think about our careers differently. We can think about our relationships differently. We can think about our friendships differently. We can think about, instead of complaining about shit, we can do it differently. We can come up with solutions. There are so many things that could be done differently that aren't, in quotes, acceptable to culture today, to society today. And I think it's on us to be able to you know, recognize that, realize that, have that awareness so that we can disrupt our lives and live fully, authentically and powerfully for the rest of it. Mm, so good. And I think a lot of us, we recognize the issues in society, but we figure someone else is going to solve it. And what's really unique about you is you're like, no, this is a problem. No one is fixing this. So I'm going to be the one who does it. So do you think that this is just something like you're just naturally born with the desire to like get in there? Or was it something that you had to teach yourself? Well, I think I honestly like watched my parents, you know, my father came to America with $5 in his pocket from India. My mother came here from Japan, barely speaking any English. And they, you know, together married each other in 1974, an all odds against the love story. You know, my mother had to fight her Japanese parents who said, if you marry this man, we are going to cut you off financially. We will disown you. And so she had to really fight that sort of dilemma, which is, do I marry for love or do I marry for honor? And then my dad on the Indian side, his family had an arranged marriage set for him in India. And he chose my Japanese mother where he was not going to get a dowry. Not his family wasn't going to get any, any dowry or anything. So his big dilemma is, do I, do I marry for love or do I marry for duty? And the two of them said, fuck it, we're just going to marry each other. We're going to go on our own path. We're going to disrupt these, this, this sort of like this ready-made path for us. We're going to, you know, we're going to stay here in Canada and we're going to be with each other. In 1974, nobody was marrying interracially. It was such a, them walking down the street was a spectacle back then. And so when we were born, when we were growing up, when we were like 10 years old, you know, our parents were like, man, there needs to be a gifted children's summer camp. There's only, you know, there's sports camps. There's like a regular day camp. There's sleepaway camps. But there's no gifted children's summer camp in Montreal. And again, my mom speaks with very thick Japanese accent. My dad has a thick Indian accent. And without any resources, any relationships, any any connections, anything, they started Montreal's first gifted children's summer camp. And it ran for 15 years with 500 kids. And they just figured it out. Just They just did it. You know, we were when we were also around that age, my parents realized that electronics was going to be the future. This is, of course, before really anyone had any personal computers. This is in the in sort of a, in the in the nineties, early nineties, and you know there was there was you know obviously no cell phones or anything like that. But they were like, wow, electronics are the future. They really saw it, and so they were like, there's no way to teach kids electronics about how to how electronics are are put together. Like no one really understands it. So my my parents started a company called Tomorrow's Professionals on their you know kind of you know side time. And where it taught kids about electronics, they put these little kits together, which made these little breadboards that you could put resistors and transistors and little LED lights that flash and little, you know, switches. And you can make, you can make like burglar alarms and you can make like lights flash up and down and you can kind of like figure out how electronics worked. And then they, they figured out how to make this little electronics kits company for kids. My dad wrote the manual and my mom made the, you know, the boxes together and they shipped them all over Canada for many, many years and taught so many children how to, you know, how to understand electronics better. 
and they just did things. They never complained about it. They never talked about any of it about in a, in a negative way. They're just like, all right, we have this problem. Like, let's just go solve it. And I think that they just gave us that without saying it. It's like if, if there's a problem in your community or society or, or, or country or, or whatever, you are just as anybody as somebody to do it. You could be that person to do it too. And and so when my first business for the restaurants came up, when I wanted to create New York City's first gluten-free farm-to-table pizza concept, this is back in 2004, 2005, when nobody was talking about gluten-free farm-to-table organic. Nobody. Everyone was like, ew, it probably tastes like cardboard. And it was such an uphill battle to get people to, you know, want to try this product and try to, you know, eat it and, and, and realize that, wow, organic is delicious. Like it actually is, is, is better. It actually tastes better. But back then there was so much stigma around that. So my experience of, you know, building the restaurant business really kind of parlayed into building, you know, the next, you know, Thinks and then Icon and then Tushy most recently, but all of it kind of came from my parents. Mm, that's so beautiful. And what great examples that you had right before you. And clearly you and both your sister who started Daybreaker, which is an awesome like morning dance party that I'm obsessed with. It's the best. Like, yeah, you you guys totally followed that lead. And it's and it shows like as parents just how much, you know, real power we have from being that example. And I love how at the beginning of your book, it's like the cutest picture of you and your son. Yeah. And on there you wrote, this book is dedicated to my new, incredible, dimple-bootied, adventurous, mm-hmm. curious, smiley, sometimes loud, sometimes soft, fully engaged son, hero, happy. Hero, I promise to never lose myself for you because the more me I can be, the more I can inspire you to be you. You got this. Mm-hmm. How did this come through? I just know that the happier your examples are, the more you see the light turned on in their eyes the more you're like, wow, I want to experience that for myself. I want the light to be turned on in my eyes too. And so I'm going to go find the thing I'm passionate about. This doesn't have to be the same. You don't have to be following your footsteps. If your dad's a doctor, you'd be a doctor. It's just like, oh, like that person who's, who's I see all the time is so lit up and so like, you know, so energized by what they're doing, you know, on a daily basis. Like I want to, I'm inspired to do that too. And I think that's really what it is, is that I think that it's not about sitting there and like being like that tiger parent. I think it really is about living your most lit up life. And that's just the best example you can give for your, your child. Mm, it's so true. And I think a lot of women, they almost, especially in the older generations, they feel like the moment that I'm a mom, it has to be all about the kid. And if it's even a percent about me, that makes me a selfish mother. So then we have all these moms exactly. who don't have hobbies, they don't have passions, and yeah. maybe they have careers, but what's really lighting them up because of this societal guilt that's been placed upon them? Exactly. Have you wa- Did you watch my, my Disruptor launch video? where you're kind of getting yanked in both directions, where I'm I'm birthed out of a vagina. I saw the birth out of the vagina part on your Instagram, but I need to watch the full video. Yeah, you have to watch the full video. You really, really should, because if you go to disrupther.co, you can check out the full video. The first opening shot is I'm literally being birthed out of a vagina. <laughs> but then I'm then there's a the whole section of how society is trying to just pile on to us. Like when we're when we're born, we are, you know, we're we're told, like, you know, you know, get your head out of the clouds, sit down, be quiet, you know, and then all of a sudden you go from this really excited childlike, you know, excited kid to this, you know, kind of dimmed child, you know, and then, and then also society also is so hypocritical where it says like, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you're too loud, you're too quiet. And then also for mothers, they say, 
you know, oh, if you're a stay-at-home mom who's taking, you know, who's like tried doing some real shit, if you're, you know, and you're working mom, you know, who's taking care of your kids? And it's just like, you can't win either way, right? And so if you're a working mom, you know, people like kind of like make, like shame you for neglecting your child. And if you're, you know, a stay-at-home mom, you're, you're, you're being shamed for, for not fulfilling your passions. And so I think it's really about, Hey, fuck you, society. I don't give. A sh- I don't care what you say. I, if I want to be a mom, I can be a mom. If I want to be a mom that works, I can be a mom that works. If I want to be not a mom at all, I don't have to be a mom. Like it's just like we don't we don't have to follow anything. And and I just think that there's so much weirdness around every part of living. Everyone has judgments and opinions about how we should exist. And it's on us to be like, thank you. I really appreciate your perspective, but I'm going to go create my own perspective on what I think is right for me. Mm, so true. And, but I think a lot of us, we just deal with the guilt and I don't mm. have kids yet, but I want to be a mom like you, but how do you deal with the guilt of like, when you're out there running your business, traveling, when you're like, Oh, I have this baby at home and it needs me. Like, how do you just deal with that emotion internally? I'm just like, I just constantly remind myself that my son is the happiest baby I I know. (laughs) And he's happy because he sees me happy, you know? And he just like, every time I see him, I'm, I'm like, my whole body explodes with joy because when I see him, I'm so, I I feel so like in awe that that's like my, my kid and, and he feels it because I don't take that relationship for granted. If I feel like I'm around him all day and dealing with his, all of his things then I, I won't like. I won't feel like I'm lit up doing what I, I want to be doing with my life. And therefore seeing him all the time, all of a sudden, like, you know, you start to not be as excited when you see your kid, you start to kind of like, you know, go through the motions of feeding them and doing all the things and you don't, you don't have that genuine unadulterated excitement every time you see him. And I think for me, like the way I really think about it is, you know, I go and do what I'm passionate about during the day. And then throughout the day, like at lunchtime, I would see him. I see him and then I see him and I'm so happy and I freak out and we both freak out. We're both excited. And then, and then I go away. And then when I see him again at, in the, in the, in the like late afternoon, early evening. And then I get to read him books and we get to play and we both have fun and we're excited. And then I get to go away. And so like it's, and then I get to go, to, go away and do what I'm, what I'm passionate about for myself. And I get to have this like excitement for my life and excitement to see my son. I just feel like it's the best of both worlds. I get, I get to have, I, you really can have it all. I, I really believe that. I genuinely, it's not pie in the sky. I, I, I really genuinely believe it. Mm, that's so beautiful. And I, I mean, I'm relating to when I'm, when I'm gone and I come back and I see my dog and we're both just so excited <laughs> right? to see each other. And it doesn't feel that way when I'm home all day, you know, it takes that, it, it takes that contrast for both of us. You know what I mean? It's exactly. So I feel like I, I get to miss my kid every day during the few hours that I'm away from him. And then I get to really revel in our time together when we're together. And I'm just not, I'm not mad at that at all. You know, like, yeah, you know, do I, sometimes I come home and my, my nanny's taught him a new word and I just get to now, I'm not like one of those moms who's like, oh, I wish I taught him my word and feel guilt, guilt, guilt. I'm like, oh, let's talk about this new word that you learned today. Yay. You know? And I know it's easy to go there because you just, it's like you made this kid and you want him to feel like you're their number one. And like, sometimes my baby, like, ask for me. And sometimes he asks for my nanny, Mama Mole. We, they call her Mama his, Her name is Marisol. And we, we, she, he calls her Mama Mole. And he's like, Mama. And he sees me, Mama, Mama, Mama. And then when we're together sometimes, then he calls her nanny, Mama Mole. And I'm like, yes. You know, so it's kind of like, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the way it used to be where we used to raise children in tribes where there was many moms, there was many caretakers, like everyone got to share in the tasks and it made life so much more fun. I feel like we now live in these sort of single family unit homes where it's like, 
just the one mom and the one kid. And it's just like, it's a lot. If I didn't have support, it would be a lot for me, you know, but I think because, you know, I'm, I'm 39 turning 40. I've, I've really kind of lived out my twenties and thirties and saved up. Like I, I really am, am, you know, spending some of that, some of that money that I've made on, on having a, a, you know, a nanny that, that I think really, really loves my kid. And it's, it's, it's worth every penny, you know, and like if I, you know, I save here somewhere else that I don't need an extra, whatever. It's just like you, you start to prioritize the things that matter and you can have it all. Like you start to, in my book, I talk about practicing addition by subtraction. The less you have, the more space you have in your brain, in your space to create. And the more space you have to like, you know, like, like spend your, your energy, your money energy on things that matter, like your, like your baby. So, you know, there's, as long as it's, it's your outlook, it's how you, you know, you, you decide you want to live is how you will end up living. Right. Mm, so true. And when you were saying that, I was like, that's exactly the way of the tribe. And really it's you letting go of your ego because the ego would say, oh, I need to be the only woman in this right. baby's life. And he cannot call anyone else, mama, anything. Yes. So I need to be the only one that he sees. So he thinks exactly. that I'm everything. And, and then there's this jealousy thing that happens between nannies so and moms. It's true. The mom, yeah. I mean, I'm just like, and for me, I'm like, yes, he's got two moms. Thank God. You know? And I'm like, it makes me really, it makes me feel so safe. You know, it makes me feel so held. So she takes care of me too. Like she makes me soup when I'm not feeling well. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have like a family member, you know, she lives with me. She lives down, she lives in our, in our apartment downstairs with her 22 year old son in our, in our, in our home. And so it's really like a communal living. It feels great. I love that. And growing up, I also had someone in my house who lived with us and would help my mom and she would like, you know, take care of the house, but also that's why I can speak Spanish perfectly. Yes. And I learned so many incredible things and I feel so connected with Guatemala because of it. And I'm Amazing. so grateful for that experience. And in no way did it replace my mom. It was just this other person that I could watch like telenovelas with. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing he's learning. He's like fluent. He's like, he speaks more Spanish than English right now. He speaks kind of both. I speak to him in that Spanish. Yeah. I know. And I speak to him in Spanish too, because I get to practice my Spanish with him. And so it's kind of, funny because like he's half Japanese half or quarter Japanese quarter Indian like quarter Jewish quarter you know definitely there's no Spanish in there but it's so fun that Spanish is like his like first language first and second language right now Spanish and English he's really he can really speak both and it's it's amazing that's beautiful. And it's such an example of you being a love her. So in your book, you talk about two kind of breeds of women, though we can have the choice, a love yes. her, a lover, and a hate her, a hater. Yes. So can you explain what these two kind of archetypes are? Yes. So a love her is a, so basically the way I talk about it is, is sort of, you know, like we, we all live in a spectrum. We all exist on a spectrum of love from love her to hate her. It's our external spectrum. Like we act out as a love her, which is, you know, being kind and complimentary and champion and abundance mindset and generative spirit. You know, she, you know, she's, she, she, she's a consummate champion of others is when she's a love her, a hate her, when you're acting out as a hate her is when you're often feeling angry, hurt, insecure, anxious, jealous, envious, you know, that's when you act out as a hate her. And oftentimes, you know, it, it's actually exactly true that the way, the way you, I mean, it sounds so obvious, but the way you are on the inside, what your internal spectrum of emotion is, will be shown on the outside. So if you're, if you're angry, hurt, sad, insecure, anxious, you're going to act out like a hater. You're going to be mean, take down, put down, scarcity mindset, negative, you know, talk shit. You know, th that's because there's something going on inside of you that feels 
like lesser than or inadequate that that talking shit somehow kind of makes it feel better for a moment but it, you know it's just a momentary feeling good it, it always just feels tastes bad in the end you know when you're feeling happy fulfilled secure inspired you're more likely to act out kind complimentary lift up abundant you want to be that in real life you know in your in in the out outward way and so the idea is that like when you're acting out as a hate her, when you're feeling angry, hurt, sad, insecure, anxious, jealous, or envious, and you want to act out as a hate her, you know, the way I think about it is like punching a wall, right? You're like, oh, fuck that girl, fuck that thing. And then you punch a wall and then your fucking fist is broken and you have to heal it and you have to mend it forever, you know, for, for like a weeks. So rather than punching a wall in it into the thing, you know, it's better to figure out the thing that turns that punch into inspiration. And so there's a way to really think about like, how do you transmute? How do you go from being, you know, feeling angry, hurt, sad, insecure to happy, fulfilled, secure, inspired? It really is from a perspective of turning one into the other is really just, you know, is really just catching ourselves in that moment of, of insecurity, of sadness, really just catching that moment. And then, you know, naming it saying like, Oh, that's my, that's my mean Margie coming out because there's something going on inside of me. Like, let me explore that. And then you can say, all right, during this period, like when I'm feeling like this, I'm feeling like shit, I'm going to text my friends something like something nice. And in the book I, I say, when you're when you're feeling feeling like I hate her, text a friend. I'm playing a fun game. One thing I like about you is blank. And the idea is that by pointing out a good the good in others, we are reminded of the good in ourselves. And so the minute you you feel like I hate her, which is like feeling a little insecure and angry and down, you text someone something nice. One thing I like about you is blank. Just to a friend randomly, and they will literally like that that just that act will shift you out of your hate her mindset into your love her mindset. Mm, I love that. And that's such a nice, easy thing. And probably that friend is going to text back something they like about you. And it's this like positive exactly. enforcement loop that you that you write about. Another interesting thing that you wrote about is how a lot of times the haters get the most attention. Like yeah. let's say you put up something and 99 people are like, oh my God, I love it, epic. And one person's like, you suck, go to hell. Yeah. And all you can do is focus on that person. And even in family dynamics, you write about how when there's like that one troublemaker kid, all of the family attention and support goes to that kid. But instead we should be using our time, which is our most non-renewable energy source to the people spreading light. So can you share how you deal with the hate hers and in, in your life and how to not direct your energy towards that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, in my, in my experience building businesses, I, I've definitely experienced a lot of pushback and just unwarranted nonsensical stuff has been written about me over the years. I think when you're in the business of disruption, you're trying to push the, push the boundaries of society forward. People will tr throw rocks at you. People will talk shit. People will try to take you down. And that's literally part of it. And then you have to just realize like, wait a minute, is this, are these my witnesses that I want to have in my life? Or is this just a peanut gallery slash audience that I have in my life? And so the way I think about it is like, who are my witnesses? My witnesses are the people who love me, who know me, who spent like more than one second with me, who know who I am, that can't, that can't be that kind of person that, that sometimes can be described to externally, you know, and you just, you just say like, all right, like in high school, if someone's trying to talk shit about you, you're going to, you're going to find the friends who will be like, oh, that girl's just a mean girl. Don't worry about it. Like, just, you know, like, like, let's go focus. Let's go, let's go, you know, practice our lines for our drama class. You know what I mean? Or like, whatever, like, you're going to go, you're going to find the people that really, really support you. Like one thing that I say, like, 
while dealing with with haters in, in my life, I've just doubled down on all of my friendships. Like I've, you know, we have a, I have a big community in New York. We call ourselves the Boom Spiral. It's also in the book, which is the opposite of a doom spiral. The doom spiral is when like negative piles on, and the the Boom Spiral is as a collective, you create a boom, a positive effect, and. When, you know, for me, like when I'm, when I went through so much crazy, crazy stuff, you know, dealing with, with haters, you know, my community showed up for me so hard. I had friends, I had like, what in the, in the eye of, of one of the, the hardest times of my life, I had friends come in with a boom box and 20 friends dancing around me, just singing. And I was just like, wow. And they were like, we, and we just danced and I cried in the middle of it. And we just kind of like, let the tears be washed away with the love and that's what really gets me through it is that if you're dealing with with haters, find the people in your life. It could be one person that really lights you up, that makes you laugh, that brings light in your eyes, that you talk about other stuff other than people and, and spend time with that person and start looking for other people who do that. Mm, I love that. And, and I think for all of us to be that person too, I mean, it's so easy when your friend is going through a tough time to be like, well, then what did she say? Oh, that, yeah. what a bitch. Like, oh my God, I can't believe. And like, just to like lament that negative right. feeling and like, yes, that can be nice for a period of time, but then we just like sit into that. And is it actually really doing anything good if we're just like both hating on this person and, yeah. and sitting in that hate? Totally. And I think it's, I think of course, and I, we know, we, you, you, you know it too, of course, is that we know it's important to feel through it, to, to really cry about it, to really move through the emotion, to spend, you know, to give yourself a time frame. I talk about it in my book, give yourself like 48 hours, two weeks to even a month to like really feel through the pain, depending on how insanely painful it is, the thing that you've gone through. And then after that, give it that timeline. At the end of the timeline, you practice being the warrior gatekeeper of your mind. And that in my book, I talk about how to be a warrior gatekeeper of your mind, which is when you go through something really hard and, and you want to let that negative thought inside your head and you want to like, you know, plan your revenge or whatever it might be, you know, the way I do it is like, is like I, I, I use that opportunity to practice being the warrior gatekeeper of my mind with my life coach, Lauren, who's amazing. And she said, okay, so here's how we practice it. Whenever you have a negative thought, let's, you know, let's call it like revenge Rita or whatever, you know, and you, and then you, 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 you before it gets, gets to your brain, into your brain, you stop it at your mental gate. You're like, oh, there's Revenging Rita again, come and trying to get into my brain. I'm just going to now, so then you, you catch it, you catch the thought, you name it, like Revenge Rita or whatever you want to call it, Righteous Rita. And then you, you file it, you organize it. You're like, okay, that's a conversation I'm going to have with this one person on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And that's it. And you're done talking about it. You're not talking, you're not lamenting about it to your friends. You're not bringing it back up to your family member. You're just done. And when you really practice being a warrior gatekeeper of your mind, it allows you, it gives you the space. You, you name a time for when you can feel through that feeling in that moment. And the rest of the time, you're free to create new experiences in your life. So it just gives you freedom to not let this, these kind of these mean thoughts keep festering in our brains over and over again, because it just doesn't, doesn't serve us. You know, in my book, I also talk about how we have only 21,000 days to live from the point we graduate college to the point we die that, you know, for us to just like loop all these negative stories, these low vibrational stories around in our heads, it's just not going to serve our best selves for, for us to be here for such a short amount of time. We have time is the most non-renewable resource we have. We just talked about that. And, and the fact that we just while it away talking shit is just, is just not, is just not worth it. So it's important to have your time to feel through it, to, to really like really feel it, really get cry, really get angry, really, you know, feel it and then move through it. 
Okay, if you're anything like me, you buy green juice, spend way too much money on it, and then forget to drink it, and it sits in your fridge. Ever happened to you? No, just me. Okay, well, I got your solution, and it is called Organifi. So Organifi is a gently dried superfood mix that has real green ingredients like moringa, chlorella, mint, spirulina, beets, matcha, wheatgrass, ashwagandha, turmeric, lemon, coconut water, all dried up. So all you have to do is add water. Yes, you do not have to use a blender. You do not have to spend $12 on a juice. You don't have to go shopping, anything. And you get all of your superfoods in one drink. They also have an amazing red juice, which is like a tart, sweet little brew, as well as Organifi Gold, which has our favorite turmeric. So I love these. They're all USDA certified organic. And I literally travel with them and have them at home every day. So head over to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and use code Sahara for 20% off. Again, Organifi.com and use code Sahara for 20% off your delicious green juice magic. Adaptogens are all the buzz right now, but the thing is most of us have no idea how to ingest them. Well, I recommend listening to episode 133, Adaptogens 101 with Lopa of Rasa after this episode and trying Rasa. Rasa is a delicious blend of seven different adaptogens and two medicinal mushrooms. They have three flavors. Their original Rasa, which I use on a daily basis. Their Cacao Rasa, which is a dark, rich, chocolatey version. And their Dirty Rasa, which is a more dark, rich, balanced version, which makes a really good coffee alternative. It provides your body with exactly what it needs, when it needs it, and balances most of the doshas most of the time. You can try it over at wearerasa.com and use code eatfeelfresh for 20% off. Again, be sure to listen to episode 133 and then head over to wearerasa.com and use code eatfeelfresh for 20% off your magical adaptogens. Are you interested in having a career focused on health and wellness? Well, if so, then the universe is calling you to become a holistic health coach. I am offering this incredible deal, a discount of $1,500 off my alma mater, Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is the world's largest nutrition school with guest teachers such as Deepak Chopra, Chris Carr, Dr. Hyman, and Dr. Andrew Whale, and so many others. It is split between six months of health coaching programs teaching you hundreds of nutritional theories, including Ayurveda, as well as six months of business coaching. And as an additional bonus, I am offering a webinar where I will teach you how to use social media to create a thriving career as a health coach. On top of that, I have created a private Facebook community just for the Highest Self podcast listeners who are becoming health coaches to connect with each other, meet up with each other, and support one another on this journey. So if you're interested, send an email over to Sahara, S-A-H-A-R-A at eatfeelfresh.com with subject I-I-N. Again, Sahara at eatfeelfresh.com with subject I-I-N. And I will personally send you back the email that will allow you to get a $1,500 off discount as well as my business coaching webinar and the private Facebook group. I'm so excited for you to begin your journey as a health coach. 
So I'd love to like walk through, like, what do you actually do in your brain? Like a negative thought comes up, someone, I don't know, an investor is like, we're not investing in Pushy. It's, it's dumb. And it was something you yeah. were really relying on. And you're just, you keep thinking about it. It's looping in your mind. So how do you use this warrior strategy? Yeah. So, so, so if it's already in your brain, if it's so, so before even, so, so there's two things. The first is if before it gets to your brain, you are inside your brain, you, you catch it at the, before it gets in. And by, by how you catch it is you, you, you just find that awareness. You're like, Oh, there's that thought again. Ah, there's mean Margie again. Ah, there's righteous Rita again. Ah, there's, you know, you know, whoever it might be, like Rick said, you know, any one of these characters might get to come, try to come to your gate and you have to just first find that space, that awareness, that, that, that thoughts coming into your, your space. And then before it gets into your brain, when it starts to loop and spiral and then, you know, kind of this negative thought starts to thought spiral all over your, your brain, then into your body, you catch it, you name it, and then you, you organize it. So you organize meaning either you say, sorry, no, not allowed today. Goodbye later. Or you say, if it's something that, that, that you really do want to talk about, you say, okay, that's a conversation I'm going to have with my coach on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. or with my whoever on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. And so that you don't have to then, you can then organize it because we, we really are people who, you know, humans want to have organ, organization in our lives. We like order in some ways. And so to have that be filed away at this certain date and a time, then you could go out your date as if, you know, like as if it didn't even happen because you filed it. Then if it gets into your brain, all of a sudden mean Margie somehow slips through the crack, gets into your brain. It happens. We're all human. When it's in our brain festering, then we practice pattern interruption, pattern interrupt. So in my book, I talk about how when you when this negative thought comes into your brain and you, you, you've tried to catch it, you couldn't, it's now festering and now it's getting deeper. Now it's all you think about. Then you stand up and you change your position. You, you move around, you take a walk on the block, you go for a run, you do push-ups, you, you just change your scenery, you, you leave the room. And, and that physical that physical getting up and doing it interrupts the pattern in your mind because mind and body are interconnected. You know, I started doing a TM practice with Dr. Bob Roth, who's amazing. He is the, you know, the, the, the TM, you know, the teacher of TM. And we just talked about how it's so important to, you know, really just like get, you know, first become aware of thoughts. And if not, just interrupt the pattern and just take a walk and walk around. It's really helpful. Mm. So true. Yeah. I find just getting outside or lying down on my floor and stretching, like doing something else really helps me to just shift the mindset. And it could be as simple. It could be as simple as just standing up, you know, it could mm -hmm. be as simple as standing up and yeah. And bending down. It, it could be the smallest little movement. It doesn't have to be this, this, this big thing, but you know, I'd love the idea of going for a run and going for a walk or going to work out and going doing things, but to interrupt the pattern could just be, you know, stepping out of the shower. Cause oftentimes like sometimes you have those, like these thoughts spiral while you're in the shower. You're like, okay, I'm going to get out of the shower and do something else, you know? So yeah, it, it, it could be as small as, as, as just, just standing up and as, as big as whatever big thing you want it to be. Mm, so good. So I would love to ask you, how do you balance having your own spiritual practice with, you know, creating and achieving so much? Yeah. I mean, I think I've tried so many different mindfulness meditations and I finally just started working, like I said, on, on a TM, Transcendental Meditation. I just got my first mantra, which is so exciting. And I know TM has, you know, some controversial elements to it, but I, I, I think it's, 
in its purest form. It's just simply an, a, a way to, to just drop into your deepest relaxation and allow your mind and your body to really connect in a really relaxed way. And, and having a mantra to help you get there is, is it really has, help, has helped me. And so I've been practicing, you know, 20 minutes twice a day. I just started, but outside of that, you know, my, my mindfulness practice has been really just, just, just like, you know, riding the bike, you know, and, and, and doing something pretty repetitive that and hanging out with my little baby I'm looking at right now, who just came into the room. Hi, my little boo-boos. <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think, it, I think it can come from, you know, for me, it's just meditative experience that gets you into sort of this zend out space. And I think when I read my baby a story, when I'm riding my bike, you know, when I'm, in the shower. Those are moments where I take, you know, I have my moments. I also have little reminders in my phone, like every three hours I, or, or every, sorry, every two hours, every reminders take three long, deep breaths. I just have this reminder that pops up that just says, take three long, deep breaths. And that's it. Just, I love that. just take, I just, you know, a little, you know, a pop up and I'm like, <sighs> you know, and I just kind of, just kind of ground myself into three <sighs> long deep breaths and it can just it does help it really does when you're like in the midst of like so many different things to be able to just be reminded to take three long deep breaths can just immediately put you in a in a new headspace Mm, so good and so simple I think everyone listening right now just took a few deep breaths Mm because it just takes that one person reminding you to be like oh yeah I haven't breathed today right we we forgot right so my last question is what advice would you have for your 20-year-old self looking back? Oh, I would have loved to start a mindfulness meditation practice at, at age 20, you know, or to, to have some kind of body work done starting at age 20. You know, I started probably around 30, you know, 35. You turned 40 this Saturday. What? Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but You're uh, a Capricorn? Aquarius. Or is this Aquarius? Aquarius, okay, yep. It. And so I, you know, I started doing, getting massages once a week, 90 minutes a week. And it sounds like it could be an expensive thing, but you really, if you do budget and you focus on what you put in your body, you focus on the things that matter and and, and how you take care of your body, that, you know, a hundred bucks, you know, or, or, you know, you can do one hour for 60 bucks, you know, you go to a Chinese massage parlor and do it for 50 bucks once a week. And it just makes such a difference when you get all that shit out of your body. And I've been doing 90 minutes every single week for the last five years. And it's, if I started age 20, I feel like I would be a different person. Same thing with mindfulness practice. I think I would just be like a calmer, you know, like, I I don't know if I, you know, would have even necessarily had such a triggered experience, you know, when I going through the ups and downs of my businesses. So you know, I think, I think it's, that would be something really, really cool to my 20 year old self to be able to really start these kinds of, you know, mind body work earlier. I love that. And fortunately now today, it's so much more in the mainstream that I think a lot of 20 year olds are practicing meditation and exploring body work. Whereas for you, it just, it just wasn't as much in the mainstream yet, but you were very still ahead of your time. I mean, gluten-free pizza in 2004, <laughs> unheard of. <laughs> yeah, it was so, I mean, an amount of shit talking I got. And now with Tushy, I'd love to share a little bit about Tushy because it's the most important yes, please. thing. I know I, I, I'm all about, cause I'm Persian. So we always use like, 
we have bidet like at my house growing up, but I don't have one here. So I need to order one because it's such a game changer. And I would be like, why don't Americans like clean their butts with water? It was always so weird for like me and my brother that like no one else did this. <laughs> no, it's, it's the craziest thing that when you actually really think about it, using dry paper to wipe yeah. the dirtiest part of your body, like you would just not do it on any, any other part of your body. If a bird pooped on your face, you wouldn't take a piece of dry paper and just wipe it off and be like, I'm clean, everyone. I'm cool. I'm cool. You know, or like you jump in the shower and not turn the water on and just use dry paper to like wipe your body down and be like, I'm clean. You know, your smelly armpits. You're like, just dry paper. You're like, cool. I'm good. I'm good. It's like that. People would be like, I think that person's crazy, you know, or like your dirty dishes. You wouldn't be like not turning the water on, just using dry paper. You just cooked a raw, you know, cut up a raw chicken. You wipe it off with like a piece of dry paper and put it back in your cupboards. People would be like, um, what are you doing? You know, it's just that we've been so deeply indoctrinated by the last three, four generations in the late 1800s when toilet paper is brought to America that this paper does the job. But all it does is kill 15 million trees per year. They're getting flushed down the toilet every year, plus all the processes to make it. You know, it requires 37 gallons of water to make one single roll of toilet paper. You know, the average American uses 57 sheets of toilet paper per day because they're like wrapping the paper around their hand to try not to touch the poop. It's such a weird thing that we've adopted that we just don't question because it's the way our parents did it, our grandparents did it, our great-grandparents. So we just don't question it. And that's the thing that this book is, is meant to do is to liberate you and question everything in your life. Like, why am I wiping my butt with dry paper? Why am I sending my kids to school that, you know, where kids are learning like the way kids did during the factory working days where the standardized tests, the rows of desks, the way the kids are learning today are the same way that they taught factory workers so that they can turn in, you know, churn out and churn in like cogs in a machine. Like that's literally why people are having to take all these like Adderall and concentration drugs because kids are not interested in learning this way in, anymore. And it's just like all these, there's just compounding effect upon compounding effect on things that we've been doing for, for like so for last century and that's just been indoctrinated so deeply into our society that there's no just it's not even fathomable to think of another way to do it so for me it's just about breaking those those, those preconceptions it's breaking those those habits and making people and like taking like the kind of the veil off people's heads and being like wait a minute why am I using dry paper? Wait a minute, I've been getting UTIs all these years. I've been getting hemorrhoids and I've been all these things. Like I'm using, oh, if you use wet wipes, you're getting you're getting anal fissures and it strips away the natural oil storm behind over time. Not to mention it's terrible for the environment, terrible for the plumbing systems. It's just, just, just bad. And like, not to mention all the money that you're wasting on, you know, getting the toilet paper to your house, all the packaging required to package the toilet paper, the trees killed, the, the water wasted to make it. It's just insane versus using a little pint of water for each time you go to the bathroom. So what we've created is a simple modern bidet that easily attaches to your toilet. It looks like a beautiful iPhone next to your toilet. We want to make it a designer modern bidet. It's only $69. So unlike those Japanese toilets, which cost thousands of dollars plus plumbing plus electrical, or those weird French bidets that sit next to your toilet, ours is simply a bidet attachment that easily attaches to your toilet, clips onto your toilet, and turns your toilet into a, into a bidet in 10 minutes. There's no plumbing no electrical required. And it's literally, for me personally, the most transformational thing. And we've been 
you know, we've done, we've sold millions and millions of dollars of these products over the last few years because people are starting to realize, wait a minute, like, what have I been doing all these years? And then you pat dry with, you know, either an organic bamboo butt towel that we also offer on our, on, at hellotushy.com, or you can use 80% less toilet paper to pat dry, which means you're saving, you know, family four saves two trees per year. Collectively, you know, millions and millions of trees per year will get saved by just simply using fresh water to properly clean yourself. And to all the Californians who are listening, water, like I said, you know, a single roll of toilet paper requires 37 gallons of water to make and Tushy use one pint. So actually over a course of a week, you're saving 55 gallons of water per week by using only water to properly clean you. It's like a no brainer product. I love it. And you, and you feel refreshed. Like it's a different feeling. (laughs) You feel like like if you actually go, if you Google SNL, Michael Che rant on bidets, he actually, so, you know, our, our New York city subway campaign for Tushy was banned by the New York city subways because they said bidets are sexual products. Not even kidding. They said that. And we were like, Oh my God, please. And so, so then we, so this New York, so we sent the, the story to the New York daily news. We're like, how did the New York MTA ban our ads? And they basically, so, so it, it ran the story in New York Daily News and then SNL, Saturday Night Live, picked up the story. And then Michael Shea, who we later found out is obsessed with bidets, who's the head writer of SNL, literally comes onto the show and does a three-minute rant on how much he loves, like how why he thinks these ads should have been, you know, like accepted on the subways and how bidets are the most. He's like, I feel, I feel better now. I feel like I can have children now. I'm a better person because of it. And it was like, you do feel more confident. You do feel lighter. And also there's so much stigma. It's like, oh my God, I'm spraying poop. Like, and poop is spraying everywhere. You're like, no, no, no. It's like a reverse waterfall. It pulls the poop down into the bowl. Like it's cleaner than anything else. You know, people are like, oh, is it toilet water? It's not toilet. I'm like, or, or the toilet tank water. It's like, no, it's not the toilet bowl water or the tank water. It's water from the wall that, that literally the same water you brush your teeth with. The splitter in the hose, everything's included in the box. It takes any it, person who can't hang a painting like myself, who's so unhandy, can install a bidet, can install, can install our tushy. It's so, so, so simple. So I challenge anyone who's so skeptical you know, about it to definitely just at least check it out and, and read some of the real reviews, all the reviews. We have thousands of them on our website. You know, by the way, do not go to tushy.com. It's a porn site, a very graphic porn site. Go to hello, hello tushy.com to check it out, T-U-S-H-Y. And you'll be able to see, you know, the massive environmental, the massive health benefits, the, the amount of money you'll save. It's just... You know, it's just, again, it's unraveling ourselves from this sort of this, this sort of weird stigmas against things that are uncomfortable talking about. And that's why I'm so excited about my book to come out, because hopefully it will help foster the idea and the ability for people to, to start questioning all the other things in their lives so they can live the most authentic, empowered, lit up lives ever for only a short amount of time while we're here. Mm, so good. And I also want to say it's not just for the tushy, which you briefly mentioned about, you know, the UTIs, but like, I remember yes. even my mom and my, and my grandma would say it's so important for women to just clean themselves with water. When you're on your period, just for your yeah. pH balance, on, even your period, just on a daily, daily basis. basis. I mean, Absolutely. If, if you're not showering every day, which a lot of people actually aren't, you still need to like clean your vagina every day and people aren't doing that. And, you know, it's just, 
I actually feel so much more refreshed, even from like the female perspective using a, a bidet. I don't have like a one on my wall. I need to order a tushy, but I'm going to send you one. I'm sending you one. I'm gifting you one. Okay. I, I will write my, I will write my review on Girl it. Late. Ladies, seriously, you're going to feel like a bird. coming out of I that swear bathroom. to God. So you feel so confident. You feel like cleaner <laughs> before and after oh, sex yeah. on your period every day. You just feel refreshed. You feel oh, clean. Yeah. Before and after sex. Absolutely. Oh my God. It's just, it's just like, you will realize you're like, I don't know. Like when you read all the reviews on our website, you'll be like, Oh my God. Or even on Amazon, check out the reviews everywhere. Like it's all like they're, they're, they're from third party review sites. It's not like we doctored any of them. They're all real reviews. And basically it's like, people are like, I don't know what my life was like before. It's like, I had a life before Tushy and after Tushy. It's like when I leave, when I go to work, I, I like, I like, I like miss my Tushy. So, you know, we're launching a travel bidet soon for those who, who miss their Tushies and want to take one with them to their office. It's like a, a little, you know, uh, a, a discreet bottle, a water bottle, kind of a, a little you know, travel the day that you can have with you and bring to your office with you. So it's, yeah. That's it's, so funny. Because yeah. I, I used to talk to my brother. He was like, I can't take a shit at work because yes. there's no bidet. Exactly. <laughs> I love your brother. He gets it. <laughs> yes. So thank you. And I love the passion that you have for it too. Like it's so important to be this passionate about anything it is that you're doing and you're going into something that's so taboo, like the New York City subways won't even post about it. And you're like, yes, this is why it's important. So I'm going to be even louder for the people in the back. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. And where can listeners connect with you and get your book and try Tushy? Absolutely, definitely check out disrupther.co and check out the video. And I, I get again, it's like a, a birthing. The opening shot is being birthed out of a vagina, and really shows the hypocrisy of society. And then you can kind of it just says you could just buy the book on Amazon, Barnes Noble, anywhere. But definitely check out the you know the website disruptor.co and you can get the book from there as well. And then if you want to find Tushy, go to hellotushy.com, of course. And then anything else about you know about me, you could go to mickeyagrawal.com. Mm, well, thank you so much again for coming on. And yes. I'm so excited to see this book really just take the world by storm. Yay. So happy to be here, Sarah. I'm so proud of you for, for also doing what you do and really introducing Ayurveda and all these things to, to the world and, and, and building this really powerful podcast. It's really awesome. Oh, thank you. Oh, how amazing was Mickey Agrawal. So if you want to get your hands on a Tushy bidet, head over to hellotushy.com and use code Sahara for 10% off. I know I am so excited to have a bidet back in my life. And I also wanted to share with you, I went on Mickey's Instagram later and I scrolled down and I saw this awesome picture of her pumping breast milk with bottles attached to her nipples at Burning Man. And I was like, what? And I read the caption and it's her talking about why why is breast milk such a taboo thing? Why don't we talk about breast milk in our society? So she decided at Burning Man as she was weaning off breastfeeding her son that she would collect her breast milk and offer it to the people at Burning Man. And she said almost none of it went to waste. People used the breast milk in their coffee. They had shots of it for energy. They tried it for the first time. And there was such little education about breastfeeding. Most people did not know that when you're a woman breastfeeding, your boobs 
get really sore and painful if you're not actually pumping your breasts. So instead of just throwing it away, she decided to offer it to people. And I just thought that's such a cool example of like what Mickey's like, like such a disruptor that she's even taking the topic of breast milk and bringing it to the norm. So kudos to Mickey. Definitely check her out. If you loved this episode, I would love to share with you the first half of my unreleased book, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type, which is different from my book, Eat Feel Fresh. It is my unreleased, never to be released book because it is now part of my Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type program. I would love to send it to you absolutely free. All you got to do is leave me a review in the iTunes store, take a screenshot and email it over to me at sahara at eatfeelfresh.com. Again, take a screenshot of the review and email it to me at sahara at eatfeelfresh.com. And I will send you the first half of my unreleased book, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type. Namaste. Namaste.